the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome to the Staff and Graph uh, podcast. I'm Mike Stevens. This is future first female gem, Rachel Doyer. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've had like, I don't know, you ever have one of those days where like, I'm just going to change everything about my life and then you just make like really interesting decisions? I've had one of those days. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So Rachel just decided to cut a lot of her hair off and um, donate it to, to cancer, which is great. Yep. I went into the hair salon and I was like, I need a haircut because my hair was getting like unruly level long and I haven't colored my hair in four years. So like it's all natural, even though they take like color treated hair now, as long as it's not dead. Um, And I was like, oh, like cut it to here. And then the lady was like, well, like if you cut like an extra two inches, like you can donate it to cancer. And I was like, oh, like, do you have a way to do that? Like, I thought you had to like apply and stuff. She goes, no, like we're actually um, like a salon that's like. I guess, designated to do it. So, like, we can just donate the hair. And I was like, perfect. So then I just chopped it off. I also got a tattoo. Nice, nice. And if you haven't seen on Twitter, my cousin got me a shirt that says, peace, love, and chicken nugs. You, yeah. Which is, like, me. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot's happening. <laughs> Man, that's... Wow. So you that I mean you uh you love your chicken nuggets. You and uh it's good to know that uh that that, that is now represented on on your shirt. Yes, and I will be wearing it around just in case people forget that I like chicken nuggets. It's good. It's it's <laughs> stuff that everyone needs to know. Um Yes. Rachel, you wrote a great piece about Eric Carlson this week uh for the Hockey News. Um a lot of fun. He might hit 100 points becoming the first defenseman in our lifetime to do that. Um, you know, the last person who did that was, I believe, Brian Leach in 92, 93. Is that? You got yep. it. So it's, uh, so that's, you know, uh, obviously longer than we being alive. This is huge. And no one, not, at least not enough people seem to be talking about it. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where because of what Connor McDavid's doing, it seems to be flying under the radar. And remember last year when Roman Yossi was like on this chase for a hundred and Nashville was in the playoff hunt and everybody was yelling and screaming about it. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. I feel like that's not happening this year and it's because San Jose is a trash heap, um, but they're tanking properly. So like all good for them. But when I tweeted that story out, somebody came back at me and they're like, uh, Roman Yossi had 96 points last year. Like this isn't out of, uh, normal. And I was like, okay, so you did not read the article because what makes Eric Carlson's kind of like run so special is that less than 25% of his points are coming on the power play. And like when I went through all of the historical data, the only two defensemen who hit 100 points where like less than 30% of their points came on the power play were Bobby Orr. Have you heard of him? Uh, no. And Paul Coffey. Have you heard of him? Uh, yes. Okay. 
So when you're in that level of conversation, that's different. Like, like that's just outright, that's that's not the same. Mm. And for context, Roman Yossi, um, almost 40% of his points last year came on the power play. So that's not a knock. Like, you still have to put up those points. But, like, what Carlson is doing is more special than what Yossi did. Yeah, also, I mean, like, I'm the last time I checked, 100 points is more than 96. Like, it, you know? Yes, it's like even, also that. Even just from, like, the, like... Last time I checked, a hundred, uh, you know, ninety-six points is not a hundred points. So, like, cool. <laughs> that it doesn't and, matter. <laughs> and then somebody was like, "He's a minus seventeen, though." Okay, he's also been on the ice for thirteen empty net goals. Damn. So he's really a minus four. Hey, that if you think about that it, that just means is, that that <laughs> that the Sharks have kept it close at least late in games. Well, like, and honestly, I first of all, I think plus minus is really stupid, especially if you don't, like, account for the empty net, um, because naturally guys who are on the ice in empty net situations are going to have more minuses because uh, there is no goalie in the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. But I honestly think he should end up on heart ballots because, I mean, every year we have this stupid debate about the meaning of the award. And obviously McDavid's going to win it this year. But, like, how is what McDavid is doing so special that, like, Carlson shouldn't even be on hard ballots just because Edmonton's in the playoffs? Like, McDavid has Dreisaitl. Who is Carlson playing with right now? Uh, I literally don't know. Right? It's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you took Eric Carlson off of San Jose, would they even be remotely watchable? They wouldn't even be a hockey team anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I do think that like regardless of what San Jose is finishing as, when we talk about adjudicating for like a player that's most valuable to his team or even one of the best players in the league, like if you do either definition for Eric Carlson and apply it to this year, he is in the top five for both of those. A hundred percent. He's crazy. He's he's yeah. Wow. I I love it. And it's so funny because like Dom Lustrician's model has him valued this year at like $13.7 million. So he's outplaying that awful contract of his. Um, I wonder if he gets moved this summer. I really do. Because he's clearly shown that like he's got it. It it wasn't just like 20 games of this. This has been an entire season. Yeah. I mean, he definitely... He's definitely making a case that he's still got it. That's the thing. It, it, like, just the money and the injury risk is obviously the biggest factor here in, like, whether or yeah. not he can, like, he'll get moved. That's why, that's pretty much why he didn't get moved at the deadline. Like, you, there's a million different teams that could have used Eric Carlson, you know, like, to gear up for a playoff push. You kidding me? But there is a chance that, you know, he turns a, a weird way on his ankle one time on a routine, you know, sort of picking the puck up out of the corner or something. And next thing you know, he is, uh, He's unable to, you know, he's just lost for the next, you know, nine months or whatever. So, it, and you're paying him 11.5 mil. It's it's difficult. Um, but Would you have traded Matthew Nyes for Eric Carlson this no. year? No? No. I've just seen that, like, talked about because when it was, when Elliot Friedman reported that the Leafs kicked tires on Carlson, first of all, I was like, yeah, like, I can see why. Everyone should have at least is- kicked tires on Carlson. <laughs> Yeah, everyone except Arizona, basically. Um, But it, like, 
we, we talk about Morgan Riley on the power play, and it's, like, not fantastic, mm. right? But Morgan Riley's better defensively than Eric Carlson is. But if you take away Morgan Riley on the first power play unit, just move him to the second power play unit, and Eric Carlson is now manning your power play unit, you have a power play unit that is more than likely Eric Carlson, John Tavares, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. I don't hate that if I'm a Leafs fan. Yeah. But that contract, like you said, is just like, it's so risky. Do you think he, he can, like, do you think he has, I don't even know, 70 points next year? Like, he's not going to have 100 next year. I don't know. Maybe. Like, what's going to change? Other than him being a year older? Like, if anything, the Sharks are going to get better. Right, but is he going to be relied upon as much? Is Probably he not. Be... You're right. But, like, it's, even if he be, even if he ends up being a perennial 70-point defenseman, see, that's still a 70-point defenseman. We haven't seen a perennial 70-point defenseman in forever. Like, it's... He, he's, it's basically Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, and Eric Carlson. That's that's the list. Yeah, and the, like the thing is though is that that contract pays him so much money that, and we talked about this a million times at the deadline. Like if you, even if you get San Jose to retain fifty percent, like like they're not. First of all, they're not going to do that because fifty percent of eleven point eleven point five is what five point two five or five or, seven sorry five. five seven five. Like that's for the next four years. Like that that is so much money. I think if you're trading him, it needs to be like a double broker deal where like San Jose retains like two and a, or San Jose retains three and then the other team, like a, a second team retains three. But you're probably giving up a ton of money for that. And then Eric Carlson is still being paid five and a half million dollars. So like it's a tricky situation to extricate yourself from. But it's interesting that trading Brent Burns has kind of opened up this opportunity for Eric Carlson to potentially salvage the value of that contract because there's no denying that he is one of the top three most raw, talented defensemen in the league. Yeah. Right? Like, Kale McCarr is redonk. Um, but Carlson is... If you just go on raw talent, like, it's pretty wild. It's pretty it's wild. It's pretty wild. I just is. don't see how anyone... Even, like, even in that scenario that, that you laid out, Rachel, like, I just, I just can't see a team willingly bringing on $3 million in dead cap for, like four years for four except for arizona <laughs> yeah but even then like they're like like you're they're gonna want they're gonna want a like a sweetener of like a first round pick for that like they're gonna want a lot and i don't know they just want picks exactly who knows but so here's here's the other i i could see a way he gets to 100 points next year okay if san jose gets connor bedard yeah which you know could be likely could you imagine him just firing saucer passes to bedard that would be awesome and just Oh my god! The only thing is, I don't want to have to stay up because San Jose yeah. starts ten thirty p.m. Yeah, they're, they're the oh only LA. They're the only California team that starts at ten thirty instead of ten, and it's so annoying, especially with their dumb airport rules. Do you know about this? I don't. What What is this? Okay, so I found this out when I was with TFC. Um, San Jose's airport closes at I think like eleven o'clock. Um pacific okay so if the game ends at like 10 which if it's a two and a half hour game that's when it would end 7 30 to 10 you have an hour to be wheels up like they shut the airport down at 11 whereas like we live in toronto like pearson airport i have taken off from pearson airport at 1 30 in the morning yeah right and so san jose's airport is super weird so i know a bunch of teams 
they bus to one of the other airports and fly out of there. Be- and, and, but that's adding travel time because San Jose's airport is freaking like, I don't know. They've curfewed it for some dumb reason. Nobody knows why. Um, and so it's it's one of those things where like they have late starts and a dumb airport. So it's just miserable. Like nobody wants to deal with that. Yeah, that's that's absolutely insane. I can't believe Oh, yeah, and even like landing times, like in the morning, like when the sharks are coming back from a road trip, um, somebody told me they actually have to land most of the time at like a private airport because the other airport, like the big one, isn't open. That is wild. I can't believe that happens. Like, it, like it, it's 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 friggin' twenty twenty three. Like, I cannot believe yeah. we, we still live in a world where that happens. Um, but. Man, that's that's wild. Yeah, I, I would love for Bedard to, to go to San Jose. I think that'd be great. Obviously, staying up to, to watch him wouldn't be ideal. Um, but something about him and Teal just it, it feels right. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, like, like San Jose is, I believe they're the last place team in the league right now. Um, so, I think it's Columbus, which is where I want Bedard to go. Yeah, we've already talked about the Columbus argument, which I think would be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, basically, it's Columbus or San Jose... No, they're tied Indiana? with Columbus. They're they both have okay, fifty three so yeah. points. One of the two of those teams, I'd prefer Columbus just from like a, a ease of watch standpoint. But like, no, thank you to Chicago. Anaheim would be uh, fun if they if they. Well, went, Anaheim already has enough ridiculous prospects. That's true. Anaheim would be fun if they went back to their, uh, like, if they went went back to the Mighty Ducks jersey. Like, then having Connor Bedard just absolutely tear it up there. That'd be. That'd be amazing. Okay, so imagine this for a second. So Connor Bedard was 98, right? Yes. Charlie Conway wore 96. Yes. What if... I'm just spitballing here. So Disney owns ESPN, which the NHL has a deal with. Mm-hmm. What if the NHL brokered a deal so that Anaheim could wear the actual Mighty Ducks jerseys for a game? Like I'm talking the the ones from the movie, not the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim jerseys. I'm talking about the green Mighty Ducks jerseys. How sick would that be? I'm I'm surprised they haven't done that already. You know? Like I would buy one of those so fast. It would not even be funny. If they if the NHL figured out a way, and I guarantee you they haven't even thought of this, um, to do this. Think about how many people, like hockey fans, have seen the Mighty Ducks, have lived with the Mighty Ducks. Like those jerseys would fly off the shelves. The thing too about well, they they already did like a Adidas and and the NHL already did like a like a oh yeah, I have one yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like for them to actually wear that during a game would be be pretty sweet. Um, I would love it. Speaking of jerseys and and awesome jerseys. Um, the Calgary Flames are having their Pride Night. Um, it is it is tonight. We are recording this on Tuesday evening, so likely by the time you hear this, it might have either already happened or it might just be happening. I'm not sure if if you know what your listening habits are, but holy smokes, they have um, they they have some incredible jerseys to wear during the warm up, and everyone is going to take part. This uh, this used to be um, something that was just uh, thought of, like like just assumed. Um, they're going to take part, but now in our terrible new climate of, um, you know, pe- like bigots and homophobes just outing themselves, um, we, it, it, it's, it's important to, to note and holy moly, uh, 
the uniforms are great. And one thing that really stuck out to me too, and stuck out to everyone, is is Daryl Sutter's comments on, like just yeah. So the uniforms are absolutely awesome. And what I love is like a lot of teams are getting people from the queer community to design, to design the jerseys. Yeah. So it's actually one, it's inclusive. Two, somebody who's part of that community is far more likely to be careful with their design. So you're not going to have like that twin towers, nine 11 looking thing that Calgary tweeted out for Michael Backlund's game. Um, like you're going to have checks and balances. I think these jerseys are awesome. Um, I wish they were for sale. Um, I saw, speaking of which the Buffalo Sabres, I wanted to mention this. They did pride night. Um, and they also announced that they are going to be selling Buffalo Sabres pride stickers year round. So there is going to be pride merchandise year round. I would like to see more NHL teams do this. But yeah, let's talk about Daryl Sutter. Let's do it. So last show we talked or two shows ago. I don't even remember. We I don't even remember. But um, we talked about how Daryl Sutter and like Calgary, they're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. And Daryl Sutter with Jacob Pelche did himself no favors. And Daryl Sutter is an old curmudgeon. Well, Daryl Sutter came from the top rope on Monday. Tell us, Mike. Tell us. Well, yeah, he basically just came out and said that the whole team's going to wear the Flames Pride jersey form ups. And he also said he'd, well, he'd openly welcome or he'd welcome an openly queer person on the team. Um, you know, he's and it's it's great. Like I talked about this on the THN pod with Ryan today, but like it's just like Sutter has the the perception as a an old school sort of like you know, farmer farmer hard ass kind of coach right like uh, like he's you know just curmudgeon yeah curmudgeon and his and also like we think about the old boys club like Daryl Sutter is 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 in there like he's got what like six brothers and sisters or something or like or six brothers just in general like they're all in it, it they all either played hockey or in some like. Or some form of professional hockey. He is like, you know, I just, he, on the surface, I would think that he's sort of like the kind of guy I'd say, like, oh, this is all just distracting from the game and all uh, winning above all costs. But it's so refreshing to have him come out and say, no, like, that's not the case. And I would, we're all going to do this, this is extremely important. And I'd openly welcome, or I, I'd, I'd welcome with open arms a, an openly queer person. Um, I, it, it's, it's just after the, after the couple months we've had and, like where it's just it's just being player after player letting people down you know like it and whether or coaches saying like oh it's just his decision yeah you know well john Tort like if john tortorella had had benched ivan provorov that night if they had scratched him before the game i think i think a lot of this would have like i i think at least some of this wouldn't have transpired the way it has like at least San Jose threw James Reimer directly under the bus. As they should. Um, yeah. Like at least they were like, "You're not playing." Yeah. Like you could sit on the bench in shame. Um, first of all, it'd be like super dangerous for a goalie who hasn't warmed up to yeah. play in a game. Um, but also, San Jose was like, "Nope, we're having none of that here." <laughs> exactly. And it, it, it's just been it's just been so nice to to have a coach come out and say the right thing for once. And and I mean this these are these are also um, the, like these are also the things that uh, these are things that he said in the past you know these are these are opinions and stuff that he has that he has uh, reiterated before so this is this is uh, it's just good to see that he's been a good person for a long time you know uh, you always want everyone to 
you always want everyone to be a good person. Um, and so it doesn't matter if they come to it later or, you know, if they come late to the party or not. Um, but it just goes to show that at least Daryl Sutter seems to have been an ally um, for a while. And uh, it's, it's well, great that he's doing it again. Yeah. So there's a couple things with Daryl Sutter. Like he has this reputation and it's well earned of being like an old, sarcastic, dry, grumpy, curmudgeon farmer dude. Um he also is coaching a team in Alberta, and I yeah. don't have to tell you how queer people are treated in Alberta. Suffice it to say, it's it's not great. Like, there's a reason why Alberta is referred to as the south of Canada. Um, and so Daryl Sutter um, has a son with special needs. Um, and he's been very, very at the forefront of whether it's raising money, raising awareness, um, being inclusive with his son and talking about how um, the world needs to um, have more opportunities um, for people with special needs. I think that that's fantastic. And and then for him to come out and now to say like, oh, not only am I a huge advocate for something that directly impacts my life, I'm also a huge advocate for just marginalized communities in general. And so um, it's one thing for him to be like, everyone's going to wear the jersey. But I thought him going the extra mile of saying, I as a coach would welcome an openly queer player when the narrative around that has always been, it's a distraction, it's a distraction. Um, for For an old curmudgeon coach to say that, I mean... Nobody else, like, has an excuse. The guy was raised on a farm and is coaching in Alberta. Like, find me a more... Find me another coach with more excuses to just take the conservative approach. And he chose to do the direct opposite. Mm -hmm. I thought Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman did the same thing. And that was fantastic. Rasmus Anderson, too. So, Rasmus Anderson has somebody in his family who's part of the queer community and he's always like dating back to so i coached against anderson and barry uh, i was in sudbury and even when um they would do pride nights in the ohl he was always like at the forefront of participating and so this has been something he's been doing since he was like a, a child literally um and for him to speak out the way he did super passionately um we now have an example of with him, McDavid, Scott Lawton, and James Van Riemsdyk, uh, Travis Dermott, who uses pride tape every game of the year. We have examples of players being allies. And I think those players deserve the oxygen and those players deserve the kudos. And we should focus on the positive that they're doing because they're working really hard. Daryl Sutter too, working super hard to make hockey more inclusive. And I think that that's really important. I also think it's important to, um, and you know, being an ally is, is great in any regard, but I think it's also important to, to highlight the people who are allies who don't even have any direct connection to the community. Um, you know, like, you know, like you mentioned, Rasmus Anderson has someone in his family and, you know, Brian Burke, you know, his son, um, his late son, obviously. And that's, that's amazing. And I also think it's important as well to, to highlight the people who, um, who don't even have a personal connection to it, but still just want to advocate for these human beings to be treated like human beings, you know? Um, and I think that's a great, I think that that's, that's great. I think that that's what Daryl Sutter, at least as far as I know, he doesn't have anyone, uh, in his family, you know, he might, who knows. Um, but 
like I, I think it's I think it's great going out of your way um, with no sort of personal tie to yourself to to you know be an advocate and an ally for the community. It's it's fantastic. And one of the things I actually was thinking about as it pertained to Calgary, um, so Nazem Kadri, it has always been somebody that's been um, super inclusive and always ingrained in the community. Like he brought the Stanley Cup to a mosque and I almost cried seeing that. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I don't know how much you know about the Islamic faith, but being queer in the Islamic faith is like not a thing. Like it is totally against their religion. Um, I've unfortunately seen some like really awful things being said, um, to friends of mine that are part of the queer community that are Islamic. Um, and so the fact that Nazim Qadri, who is Muslim and he's a practicing Muslim, he's very open about it, has said, no, like I'm supporting this. Everybody, um, deserves to feel included. Like, sorry, but you can't use the religion excuse anymore because the Islamic faith is the one that's like the most against the queer community and Nazim Qadri is putting on the jersey. So you could take your Christian, Irish Catholic, Catholic, Russian Orthodox faith and kick rocks. Nobody's saying that you can't practice it, but if a Muslim, a practicing Muslim can do it, then so can you. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's also, I just think someone with a, with a mugshot shouldn't be, uh, speaking down to people about it, but you know, then again, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, the Eastern wildcard playoff race, um, it's been pretty nuts. There's It's going to come down to the wire. Um, and there are a lot of teams that are desperately either trying to hang on to their spot or get into a spot. Um, let's start with Florida who has just completely gone in the tank lately. Um, why is that? Uh, because uh, because ours were there are there too many distractions? I would no because ours is a a fickle god, a vengeful god, um, who will ah. rain down. So the hockey gods who will rain are... down vengeance on uh, on all of them. Um, can I point? Can I point something out quickly? What? Okay, so there have been four players who right now have publicly not worn the jersey. Yeah. Five, sorry, Ilya Labushkin last night. Um, Ivan Provorov. Is he having a good year, or has he been awful? He's been awful. Okay, uh, Eric Stahl? He's not even really an NHLer. Mark Stahl? He's being awful. Uh, James Reimer? <laughs> He's also been bad. Mm. Uh, I'm Ilya Labushkin is kind of one of those, like, under-the-radar guys, and he was... I will point out the only person to not hide behind religion. He came out and was like, this is my reason. And he was, whether we want to believe it or not, if that's something that Ilya Labushkin feels where like his family in Russia could be in danger, then I'm okay with that decision. He did not come out and say, oh, my religion. He's like, I, I you know fear, I, mean? I fear retribution. <laughs> I have, uh, I, you know, I have family members uh, who are in Russia, who could be impacted by this. So tonight I will sit out, you know, like that's basically what he did. And that's, and that is, you know what? I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I don't love it. Like, first of all, I don't love that Russian players are put in this position because of what's going on in Russia. Like, let's start there. The, the geopolitical climate there is awful. And I feel really bad for a lot of them, but he, at least of the five, he did not hide behind some faith. Like, 
as if these are the only four players to practice faith in the National Hockey League, right? He came out and said, these are my concerns. They're valid concerns. Um, and we aren't Russian, so we don't know. But what I can tell you is nobody's rabbi or priest is going to shun them from the church if they put on a jersey that has a rainbow on it. In fact, I drove by the church near my house, Mike, mm-hmm. and it's flying a pride flag. That's lovely to see. Yeah. So anyways, Florida. Yeah, this is like uh, their five on five play lately has been better, like a lot better. They're not getting shelled. But my God, they can't score. <laughs> yep. They've been they've been getting just it. Yikes! Can't swear on this. Right? Like they just they've been getting beaten like crazy. Like it's you know it, it doesn't. They've been getting poo kicked. Yes, exactly. That's I was trying to find a, a term for that. Listen, I just think uh, this is this is a team that is just horribly coached. Like this is like like I don't. First of all, it's it's a like massively thinner roster than it was last year when they won the Presidents Trophy. Like it it was, you know, like they they lose a they lose in the second round of the playoffs to like the modern, you know, uh, uh, dynasty of the NHL, and the the GM loses his mind and decides to trade. You know, do these huge sort of like and obviously the Matthew Tkachuk trade was great, but like. Throwing in Mackenzie Weger is 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 a tough pill to swallow in that trade, and then even on top of that, like holy smokes, they just they just have lost everyone. And then Andrew Brunette, they could have kept, but instead they bring in a guy who has accomplished literally nothing, and it, it, like it's just name brand at this point. Like th- this is a this is a very very um, poorly coached hockey team that that suffered from some pretty some pretty rough management over the offseason. Yeah, so, like, I love Paul Maurice as a human being. Um, I've met him a few times, and he's a huge advocate for mental health as well. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I'm going to have a soft spot for him. But, like, Claude Julian was available. Yeah. There will, like, your own, your own coach. (laughs) Andrew Burnett. Was available. Yeah, you could have just, like, taken the interim tag off. But Florida's lost four straight, and three of those games, they've lost by three or more goals. Sergei Bobrovsky has an 890 in March, and he's 901 for the season. That is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Spencer Knight, you know, is in the uh, in the player assistance program right now. Um, and all the best to him. All Yeah, all the best to him. All the best, to, best to Spencer Knight. Like, obviously, you're not rushing Spencer Knight back because you want to make the playoffs. That would be dumb. Don't do that. Don't put yourself in a position where that is even necessary, like they are right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, do we think Florida gets in? I don't know. I honestly don't think so at this point. Like, they, it just seems like the vibes are pretty brutal. The vibes are bad. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Okay, Pittsburgh. Oh, this is going to be tough for Pittsburgh, though. Like, the, like, you, like you talked about, they are, uh, man, it is, it... Like you talked about, it, it you know they they this is this is another team that is not getting good goaltending. This is you know everyone is um, everyone's playing poorly on that team except for the uh, uh, the big three. But you need more than that. And you pose a really good question in our prep here in that you know Tristan Jari is an eight sixty one save percentage in March, which is just that's legitimately unplayable. Like, that's horrible. In March we are recording this on March twenty eighth, so March is basically over. So it's a pretty big sample size. I believe he also has a new injury. Um, 
Whereas Casey DeSmith is a 921. Like, they should absolutely be riding DeSmith, right? I I have to think so, right? Like, you look at this, an 861? Like, That's unplayable. Honestly, put up a shooter tutor at that point. Yeah. Like, what is going on? Um, Casey DeSmith has actually been, like, Pittsburgh is dying for a save right now. And, like, Mike Sullivan is a really good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any debating that. But, like, this guy's attachment to Jeff Carter and Tristan Jari is concerning. Play Casey DeSmith. He's got a 921, which is very, very respectable. Like, that's good. And you need to get in the playoffs. This is not a, oh, we'll retool. No, Sidney Crosby is, like, 37 years old. Evgeny Malkin is 30-something. They're all above 35. You There is no rebuilding happening here. There's no retooling. There's none of that. It's ride or die. And right now, you got to ride the hot hand or you're going to die. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I would do. Because the fact that those three are having unbelievable seasons like actually ridiculous Sidney Crosby is going to hit 90 points again Malkin is going to hit 82 more than likely so he's going to be a point a game like Chris Letang came back from a stroke for this yeah he came back from a stroke like could you make a save please it would be nice if he could that's for sure um and then does Pittsburgh get in what do you think I can't. I just cannot picture Sidney Crosby not in the playoffs. I'm the same way. I think he's going to. Him and Malkin are going to go like monster mode. Like remember that time in the in the playoffs where they went on that run to the Cup final and both him and uh, Malkin were just like, Roar! yeah. I think that's. The I feel only like thing that is do. a thing there. Yeah, I, I just I cannot see. Um, I can't see Sidney Crosby not making the playoffs. So it, I just, I think they'll figure out a way, but it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's they're, they're facing an uphill battle before because another team that's standing in their way is the Islanders. Um, they're seven and four and they're past 11, but Elias Sorokin is on an absolute heater. Um, and they're getting contributions, not from their top scores. Their top scores have been, um, well, their top score is out. Yes. And, but like <laughs> that's, which is crazy. Man, it, it, it's nuts. But the, like, but they're not getting like you know they're not really getting anything from like Bo Horvat right now. Like Bo Horvat right now is is in a bit of a slump, and like Matt Barzal is is hurt, like you said, and, and all that. And yet they're they're still finding ways. You know, like this is a this is a team that has always been able to find a way somehow. Um, so, yeah. Question. Yeah. Noted um, awards voter Mike Stevens. Uh, not this year. I think next year is when I get my eligibility. Okay, so if you were voting for awards this mm-hmm. year and the Islanders make the playoffs, does Ilya Sorokin go on your heart ballot? Oh, boy, that's tough. That's tough. Because, he's he look, he's undeniably the most valuable player to his, to, like, like, to the Islanders. But then I'd have to I'd have to really look around the league to see if there's anyone else that, like, if there are three players who are more valuable than him. So, uh, like, right now, I obviously McDavid. Like, anybody who doesn't have McDavid on their ballot is immediately fine. It's obviously Connor McDavid. Um, I would have Eric Carlson on there by the definition of the award. Yeah. Like, the award doesn't say you have to make the playoffs either. Just Yeah, he won't because they, because 
they'll like people will will pull the, the playoff card. But yeah, um, I would have um, Ilya Sorokin. Um, and then like, I don't even think you could have a Boston Bruin on your heart ballot because they're all good. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I was I was gonna be like maybe Linus Allmark, like just because he's been so good and everything. But, but he split time with Swayman. Exactly, and also like the team in front of him has just been so good. There's a legit argument that Sorokin should win the Vesna over Allmark. Yeah, like, but it's a pretty legit argument because Sorokin is playing all of the games, all of them. Um, and yes, Allmark is amazing, and he scored, which is elite um but Sorokin could you imagine if Boston had Sorokin I don't even want to think about that (laughs) just hand them the cup now that would be hilarious I think the Isles are gonna get in to me they're the team first of all they got the best goalie by 17 miles um and I mean Florida doesn't really have anybody that's performing super well Pittsburgh's got their monsters performing well and zero goaltending but the Isles have the most important position playing at the peak of his game like I think they get in uh yeah I think they man and the thing of the Islanders too is like they play this this playoff style type of hockey you know and I, I I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. exactly like I hate using that term playoff style because it, it just it, it seems like people you know weigh it way too much or it just sort of gets they're good at cheating they're good at cheating and they're good at just bogging stuff down and yeah. uh, it's just. It, hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, but they're going to just bogging the game down. And, and that's exactly what what you need to do in the playoffs. I, I, I would I would shudder at the thought of playing the, the New York Islanders in the playoffs. But hey. We are going to I need Mike's opinion on something. Yes. Um, so my friend got a message on a dating app from somebody. Mm-hmm. Who recognized her because she's got like some notoriety, let's say. Okay? Okay. This person sent her like a full blown paragraph. It was on Hinge. They sent her so much that like you couldn't even see the whole message on the screen. Like that's how That's m- too much. Okay. So she didn't answer because she's like, this is crazy. He then sent her, and I am going to show this to you for like posterity stake. We're on Instagram DMs now. One, two, three, four, five. Okay? Five pages of text, which I then summarized into, I don't want a relationship, but I'm going to write you 700 words about myself to tell you how much I think this could work. But then again, not as a relationship, but I also am a side hustle sports blogger and I really admire what you do, but I understand if you don't want to date me because you're not ready to be in a relationship. But he typed a five page essay about it. Is that allowed? Wait a minute. First of all, no, that's psychopath behavior. Um, but what I'm thinking is, wait, so he said he's not ready to be in a relationship? No, he said that he understands if she's not ready to be in a relationship because um, her job causes her to like travel a lot. Okay. And so he that's 
Yeah, so he's like, I'm ready for something casual, but I think we could settle down, and I really admire you, and this, and this, and I like this, and I'm into this, and I'm like, oh my god. He said he's some he's ready for something casual? Or to settle down. So he's oh, just or to settle super, down. Okay. he just really wants to get with my friend, it seems. But like, if, okay, because like, as a woman, like if I have received, I've been on the receiving end of these, I'm not reading that, <laughs> like... Yeah. I am not reading that. Like, would That's you, the, you know, send that? I'm happy for you, or sorry that happened. Like, I ain't reading all that. Like, that... Um, yeah, no, that's that's an absolutely unhinged way of uh, of operating. Like, like, are you are you joking? That's insane. That's... I, I... The thing about Hinge, too, is that, like, you just gotta... Like, they already do so much of the work for you. They give you prompts. So you don't have to do that. Like, like they, they make it so you can just reply something. Fu- First of all, 90% of Hinge is just being funny. Like, yeah, you obviously have to be hot. But, like, if you you can make up so much of that just by being funny, by having a, either a funny profile or a funny response to someone. See, Mike's hot and funny, so he's a oh, good thank combo. You. Um, thank you, Rachel. Just so but you no, know, my it's, sister it's, said she would swipe right on you. So that's... Oh, well, that, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Right. You, you don't you don't know how much that means to me everybody that is, that's very important rachel's hot but sister no, but it's it's like i don't understand like 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 because this happened on hinge i think the, the thing that takes it to another level is that he then found her on instagram um, yeah although did she have her her handle in her hinge profile no so he's, okay because some people do that yes i've seen that but like He sought her out on Instagram. Oh, and I just got another screenshot as we're recording this. Um, He's also signed NDAs with his side sports blogger sources. So if they want to keep the relationship a secret so that they can go on a date, he'd be okay with that. What is going on? The amount of what I've found, too, is that the amount of guys who just like think that they are so important. Like that, that is a, that I, I, first of all, I doubt that's even real. Like, like at all. Nobody signs an NDA with a source. Also, if I have to sign an NDA to be in a relationship with you, um, like how many red flags have we hit on? There's too many to count. (laughs) This guy's insane. Uh, did she, did she accept his request? Absolutely not. Okay, good. So, so, so this guy, like he sent, he sends her a friggin' like, you know, thing on five paragraph essay on Hinge, and then finds her out to send her, finds her on Instagram. So then, sort of breaching that um, kind of barrier that's supposed to be yes. there. And I get that it's too. Insane. Like, I haven't actually been active on a dating app in God knows how long, but I guess like my profile still shows up. I don't really know. Because um, like, I- yeah, you because. You, 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 the only way you can, like, if, if you just stopped using the app, your profile is still going to be in rotation. Oh. Like, it won't be at the top or anything, but it'll still be in rotation. Okay, yeah. So, I guess that's been happening. Because, like, I've been getting DMs on Instagram being like, I found you on the dating app. And I'm like, what? I'm I'm not even on it. But then I guess, like, if you get deep into the weeds where, like, you get to me, like, I mean, kudos, you must be down bad. Because I have not been on those dating apps in a really long time should i just log in just to see how many like nonsense i'm gonna do that i'm gonna log in after we finish recording Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna send mike screenshots of some of the absolute nonsense that i i see 
Well, the thing is, too, is like like you to get to that point, you have to pay for Hinge, which is something I will refuse to do. What? Um, yeah, like like because you only get I think you only get um, what is it like six likes a day or something on Hinge, like six free likes or like you can you can reject as many people as you want, but you only get you can only like someone, I think, five or six times. Um, and so, man, all of us were cooped up during covid. We were all down bad. Why you got to put restrictions on us like this? Why you got to hamstring my guy Mike like this? Well, you know That's what? It's, it's it's a smart business. Uh, Unlike what a, it, Elon Musk is doing with Twitter. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's a smart business decision because otherwise you could just be sitting there all like it, it incentivizes people, you know, and also you can't see everyone that's like you. You can only see like the top one. So you either have oh. to. So you either have to pay to see to just scroll through everyone and cherry pick or you have to make like a yes or no sort of like a you know is the grass going to be greener than this person type thing which I'm not a huge fan of doing. So it's just you know the the dating world is wild and uh I I'm so glad that I barely go on Hinge anymore. Okay, so what is let's let's have a review. Now that we know what not proper etiquette is, which is sending somebody a five paragraph thingy, then seeking them out on Instagram and sending them a Charles Dickens novel. Mike, what is the appropriate way to to one prompt somebody on a dating app or two slide into their DMs? Sliding into DMs is harder. Um, I always go like. Like if it's just randomly, I'll I'll just go like, hey, like I know this is out of the blue, I uh, you know like so you totally feel free to say no, but I was wondering if you want to like grab a drink or something like that's like just super straight to the point, simple like acknowledging that it's sort of out of the blue, so at least yeah um, okay, so at least the person like understands like you know this isn't something that you normally do, um, and also they feel special because it's like hey you know like the, this person like you know sort of liked me so much they decided to just sort of cold call me here like that's. That's good. Um, again, it's not something I try to do a ton, but then again, and from you know. a, like a female perspective, I'll tell you, like you, Mike has had the, the I don't know if we're going to call it a privilege, but he has seen some of the DM sliding that I have been subject. That's not. It's not a privilege. It's a <laughs> horror. It's a. I it's have the curse. I have of all of the people that have slid into my DM. Some people I know. Some people I don't. Only one person has been successful. One. So, like, the chances... If you're going to shoot your shot, like, go ahead, right? Don't send me a goddamn essay. I don't want to read. If I want to read, I'm going to read my romance novel. But what about on a dating app? How would you go about it? Well, you... On a date, like, specifically Hinge, like I said, like, they do so much for you. They have prompts. They have so... Try to think of a funny thing for a prompt, you know, like, like, you know, someone like try and try and think of a funny answer or just try to make them laugh because they're going to have a million people out there, you know, who are who are trying to say, you know, like who say hi. The last thing you could possibly say is hi. And I get that. Oh, a my lot, God. I, I just, always did that. <laughs> and I, well, I it just it. It just never does anything for me. Like, I'm just, I don't want, like, if, if you're reaching out to me, you need to start the conversation. You don't reach, like, like, I'm sorry, there's, there are very few people out there who are, like, so amazing that they can go, like, hi, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I now need, like, they acknowledge my presence, okay, I have to keep this going. Like, no, if you're, if you're the one who's reaching out to me, if you're the one who's sort of initiating with me, then start the conversation. Don't, like, 
uh, it's it's crazy. So yeah, try and be funny. I've had because... people like on a hinge specifically. Um, like I have, I like to have like a couple nice photos, and then I'll have like one bathing suit photo. And you know exactly what bathing suit photo I'm talking yeah. about. Um, and like I, the amount of just peach emojis I get, and nothing yeah. else. It's like, man, if you're gonna send a peach emoji, send something else too. Like, don't send a peach emoji with an eggplant emoji and a raindrop emoji. Don't do that. People are wild. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, all right, Rachel. Well, we've reached the end. Um, date, the dating world is uh, is still a chaotic hellscape, but... Um, <laughs> hinge is unhinged. Hinge is, is quite unhinged. But, you know, uh, that's just the way it is. Um, if you want to listen to this podcast or any of the other lovely podcasts on the Hockey News Network, go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. That's where all our archives are. Uh, Rachel, you take care of yourself, and uh, we, will see, we will see these lovely listeners later in the week. Yes, we will, and I will try not to do anything too spontaneous in the meantime. Ah, don't. You can if you want. It's fun. Um, all right, we will, see, we will see you later this week. Everyone, stay safe. <laughs>